Welcome to this week's edition of Ocean Allison, where I bring you the best in ocean science, education, and conservation through conversations with people who are creating positive change for the ocean. Ocean Allison podcast episode is brought to you by you, the listeners. A big thank you to everyone that's contributed a dollar or more to my subscription-based funding platform at patreon.com slash oceanallison. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash oceanallison. And for those listeners that haven't, visit patreon.com to watch my video and learn more about how you can help keep the podcast episodes coming. And now to this month's episode of Ocean Allison podcast. This episode's ocean advocate is Michael Doshi. Doshi is the gnarly beach cleaner, using Instagram to spread awareness about plastic pollution in super funny and positive ways. Hi, Doshi. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, Allison? Yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. I am extremely excited to talk with you and to share you know, your work and your passion with my listeners. So Listeners, to give you guys a little bit of background on how Doshi and I met, we actually have never met in person. I'm just realizing that now because I feel like <laughs> we've talked so many times. Um, yeah. But we will have to meet in person at some point soon. But um, oh yeah, we met via Instagram, a uh, great connector, and uh, we both use that platform a lot to share our passions and try to educate people about a number of different topics. And one of those topics we share in common is plastic pollution in the ocean trying to stop it reduce it anything you can so um i want to start out doshi before we get into gnarly beach cleaner and what that is and all that you do i want to start out by asking you a little bit about kind of how you got interested in the ocean at all to begin with because you know you and i have talked before you're from wisconsin can you give us a little bit of background on how you know a guy growing up in wisconsin found his way to LA, started surfing and got super interested in the ocean. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. When I got your email, can't explain how stoked I was. Big smile came across my face and I thought to myself, yes, I finally get to be on the Ocean Allison podcast <laughs> to uh, answer your question about going, tracing back to my roots in Wisconsin. Yeah. So I'm from um, Whitewater, Wisconsin which is the southeastern corner of Wisconsin, about two hours north of Chicago, about an hour south of Madison or Milwaukee, and uh, which there's no ocean there. Yeah, so <laughs> there's absolutely yeah. no, no ocean there, a lot of lakes. And um, my first involvement when, with the ocean was when I was really young. Uh, my family used to take road trips down to Gulf Shores, Alabama every year for spring break. So that was my first involvement with the ocean. And I I remember the beaches just being so so white, and uh, which was really cool. And I remember just the smell of the ocean. Something just stuck with me. Fast forward to um, when I was in college. Then I went to school in my hometown, the University of Whitewater, Wisconsin. And during my summers, um, a good buddy of mine, him and I, started our own house painting company, where uh, we thought hopefully we'll be able to make some extra money to pay for school during the summers kind of thing. And sure enough, we, we ended up booking gigs. Um, and I remember when I was, I was 19. So that would have been my sophomore, my summer going into sophomore year of college. 
it was a really, really hot and humid summer. And we had a running joke that we would just be like, man, let's just pack up and go to California. Just kind of like, what are we doing right now? In the middle of Wisconsin, it's over 100 degrees with humidity. We're sweating bullets, trying to paint houses to make some money. And uh, like, let's just, go to, let's just go to California. It would just be our running joke. And, and one job, we got paid two grand in cash. And I remember we each had a stack of $1,000 in our hand, which when you're 19 years old, seems like a lot. It seems like you're loaded for the rest of your life. And I was like, dude, we should go to California. And he's like, I'll go if you go. So I dropped him off at his house. And I was like, all right, I'll be back in 30 minutes to pick you up. Be ready. And uh, I went home. And right when I got home, my mom was leaving to go buy groceries to make dinner that night. My mom had lived in San Francisco and in California during the late 60s into the early 70s. We eventually wanted to do a family vacation out to California. So I just happened to ask her when she was leaving the house and I was coming in. I was like, hey, mom, so like if we ever go to California where should we go? And, and she was like, well, I remember going to Newport Beach once, um, and I really liked Newport Beach. She's like, why do you ask? And I was like, oh, I'm just you know, daydreaming where we would eventually go in California. So she's like, all right, I'm going to get food to make dinner. See you later. So she leaves, and I go into my kitchen, and I write a note that says, Mom went to Newport Beach with Bill. Be back in a little over a week. I pull up to Bill's house, and Bill's sitting on a cooler with board shorts on, his shirt off, a flower lay on, and a cowboy hat. And then we got in the car and we took off. That's and, amazing. Uh, yeah, so then we drove 32 hours straight to California. We pulled up in the Newport Beach. First thing in the morning, we went to the beach. And I remember seeing it's such a vivid memory where I saw the waves crashing. And each time a wave would come up and the sun hit just this golden sand just rolling through the waves, it was just the most beautiful sight. And I remember seeing that and just being instantaneously like, I've got to come to California when I graduate from college. So um, I went back to Wisconsin, decided I wanted to work in the music industry. And I would do my summer internships going into my junior year and senior year in music out here in California. Um, and then I landed a gig after graduation working in a talent agency in the mailroom. And then I went and worked at a record label and management company. And um, record sales were really going down the drain at that time. And they tried cutting my salary by a lot of money. And at the same time that that was going on, a girl from Australia that I had met a few years previously while traveling in Italy called me up and she's like, hey, I'm going on this four month trip to Central America. Do you want to go? So that was just the thing that like pushed me over the edge to leave my job. And then I, I went to Central America and uh, got on a surfboard for the first time when I eventually got to Mexico. And that's where I said to myself, I was like, all right, you know, I moved out to California to work in music and to spend time with the ocean. And I said, now it's time for me to dedicate myself to the ocean and spending time with it. So when I got done with my travels, moved to Venice Beach, the same day I got back, I went and bought a surfboard and then I just started surfing every single day, just nice. teaching myself how to surf. And that was about seven years ago now. Okay, yeah. And you've been hooked on surfing since. I got super hooked. Yeah, yeah, I got I got really, really hooked. And um, the bug bit me and it bit me really bad. And, um, <laughs> really good. Really good. I mean, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bit me really good. Yeah. And so from there, you know, you you made your way to California, you got hooked on surfing. 
At what point did the issue of plastic pollution come up for you? Like, when did it come into view? Yeah, I'd surf a lot in Venice Beach here at the breakwater. That beach can get to be super dirty with trash. I think there's something like 10 million people pass through Venice Beach every summer kind of thing. So, you know, there's a lot of people with single-use consumer goods um, just getting left on the beach. And uh, I remember I was paddling for a wave one day, and I think it was a Snickers. It was some kind of candy bar wrapper. When I was actually paddling for the wave, the wrapper hit me in the face. And it literally woke me up to, like, what the issue was, you know? And then after that moment... Every time I would go to the beach, I just started finally noticing the trash, seeing it at the high tide line, noticing stuff in the sand, seeing more of it out in the lineup when I was paddling out to go surf. It was it was like literally a wake up call for me. It's a, you know, it took a slap in the face from yeah. a candy wrapper. So you literally got hit in the face with the issue. And is that what inspired you to join Surfrider? Because I know you're really involved with Surfrider L.A., so yeah, like I saw these these trash issues and I'm like, how can I help solve this? And I'd say one of the most kind of publicized things um, through nonprofits are, are beach cleanups, which is a great way to get people initially involved. So not knowing anything beyond uh, the just the issue of trash on my local beach um, and how nonprofits operate, I started doing research on how I could get involved. And I came across Akil Bay and Surfrider. I work in um, retail, so I work a lot of weekends. And I don't remember, I think it was a Heal the Bay Clean um, I attended to, to volunteer with one morning before I started like my Saturday shift at the shop. And I remember I showed up and helped set up some tables and some tents and a water cooler. And then I had to go to work. And I did that. And, and I was like, man, really, that's all I got to do? I didn't even get to pick up any trash. I was like, this isn't, is this what volunteering for a nonprofit is like? Um, but that's how I first became aware of some of the local organizations and was trying to get involved with them. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I was like, I can't attend these beach cleans because they're on Saturdays or Sundays and I work Saturdays and Sundays. So I'm like, I can't make these. And uh, so I just started going out and picking up trash on my own. And um, I was like, this is L.A. It's a city that's filled filled with service industry people such as myself that have these odd schedules that might not be able to attend these beach cleans, but definitely want to help. So I was like, I'm just going to start going out to the beach on my own when I have my own free time and pick up trash. Like, I don't need to be a part of a massive cleanup. Like, I can just go out and do it myself. Gnarly beach cleaner, though. You you are the gnarly beach cleaner. Yeah. Um, what caused you to want to share your you know personal beach cleans that you were doing? What caused you to want to share that via gnarly beach cleaner? And the element of Lots of humor and lots of positivity is, you know, seen throughout everything you do with Gnarly yeah. Beach Cleaner. Yeah. What caused that? Well, sure. So that that's that's really where it gets to be fun and interesting. And I like talking about that because a good buddy of mine that I've known for years, his name is Chris Holmes. He lived just down here on uh, just south of the Venice Pier, basically right on the beach. And we go out and we surf quite a bit. And then I, I told him, like, hey, man, I'm starting this thing called Gnarly Beach Cleaner. And he's like, well, man, I want to come out and do pick up some trash with you. So I was like, great. And uh, me and this guy have been getting into nonsense over the past 10 years in L.A. So um, eventually uh, I showed up at his place one day to do a clean. And I was like, all right, man, I got an idea. Like, just roll with me on it. And I cracked open my trunk and I had a full-size chicken costume in the trunk. 
And he's like, what's this? And I was like, all right, we're going to put you in the trick- chicken costume. We're going to go out and clean the beach. And then I'm going to film it. And you're going to dance around. And then I'm just going to put some music to it. And it's like, just got to trust me. It's a cool idea. So then, yeah, we did that and started having a bunch of shenanigans together. And I was like, hey, man, do you want to be be in this gnarly beach cleaner thing with me? And he said, absolutely. And and he's like, we always got to make it fun. And he's like, that's what we got to stick to is making it fun. That's what we know how to do. That's what we're good at. And that spawned our, uh, the make it fun movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the hashtag you'll see on all of our posts to, to try to remind people to have fun. Yeah. So the make it fun movement I think is amazing. You know, you hashtag it with all your videos and it goes along with these hilarious videos that you produce, you know, these short little snippets, but they're super funny and they make you laugh and they also make you realize, oh, picking up trash is a good thing and it's funny and it can be something you do with your friends. And sure, it's not like this depressing thing that we always have to be sad about. You know, it's everything from like in a chicken costume to like, I think you have one with vampires cleaning up the beach and like donuts and, uh, surfing in like business suits and you know just yep. all kinds of funny stuff listeners when i post this podcast episode uh i will be linking actually to a really cool compilation video of a bunch of doshi's gnarly beach cleaner videos so you guys can kind of see those and then also you can scroll through his instagram obviously and check out all his funny content and start hashtagging make it fun movement because the more fun we have cleaning up the beach the more beaches get clean so that's awesome another thing you do doshi with gnarly beach cleaner is you have dr dude can you describe for listeners who and what is dr dude so Dr. Dude is a concept that my really good friend Jesse Jensen came up with. And Jesse's an actor. He just came up to me one day and he's like, dude, I got this great idea for a character you need to do for Gnarly Beach Cleaner. And I'm like, what is it? And he's like, it's cause his name is Dr. Dude. And I'm like, what's Dr. Dude? And he's like, well, he's a mix between Bill Nye the Science Guy meets Wayne Campbell from Wayne's World. I was like, all right, that sounds interesting. And then all of a sudden he just breaks out into this. And so the slogan, always be excellent, never be rude, picking up trash with Dr. Dude. And I was just like, that, that's genius. I'm like, that's amazing. So it's a Dr. Dude is a, supposed to be a character that's targeted towards kids who's giving um, little educational tidbits about trash and plastic pollution and facts about the ocean while delivering it in a really fun and energetic manner like dr dude is just so stoked on life and so stoked on science and surfing and the waves and helping to solve plastic pollution and educating people about it that it's supposed to just like transfer that energy from the screen on your phone like directly into your mind body and soul and engulf your whole being and just like make you super stoked to want to go out and help with some change that's dr dude so Dr. Dude has a little sidekick, and uh, it's a stuffed animal octopus. Can you talk about Dr. Dude's stuffed animal octopus? Yeah, so uh, his name is Narnar the octopus, and Narnar actually came to fruition. I reached out to my buddy, Teddy, who is uh, an artist, and I told him a few years back, like, hey, man, I need a really cool logo for Gnarly Beach Cleaner, like a fun mascot. I'm thinking it'd be, uh, I think it should be a really cool looking octopus. Cause you know, an octopus has eight legs. You can pick up a lot of trash. I was like, Oh yeah, sure, man. I got a great idea. He emails me back. I don't know, maybe 24, 48 hours later and has the most 
bitchin' design of this radical-looking octopus with black sunglasses on, just looking as cool as can be on the beach. Each tentacle, like one tentacle is holding a slice of pizza that he took a bite out of. Another tentacle has the trash picker upper, you know, that's poking through some plastic. Another one has a can, and another one's opening up a trash can to throw it all in there. Like, it was just the coolest design. I, I was having drinks with my other buddy Izzy one night, and he's like, man, you know what? He's like, we should turn this octopus into a stuffed animal that we can ship around the world to your Instagram community, kind of like a traveling pen pal. And I was like, yeah, man, this could be a great way to remind people to have fun while picking up trash and help people spread awareness about plastic pollution issues. So then I came up with the name Narnar. It just seemed very appropriate. And that's <laughs> Narnar the octopus. I, I had a full life-size stuffed, not life-size, but a stuffed octopus made of Narnar. And uh, he's big enough that you could like set him on your head, put him over your shoulders. And he's wearing sunglasses, has some sewn on sunglasses. And I found a local stuffed animal artist actually in LA um, who uh, was willing to make him out of all sustainable materials, which was really cool. And uh, then I, I started to go fund me to raise some money to ship him around the world because shipping is not cheap. So yeah, he's currently hanging out in Australia with Take Three for the Sea, with Tim Silverwood, who's the CEO, and Mandy, who's the co-founder. They've been taking him around to different schools throughout New South Wales. Uh, before he went to Australia, I took him on a trip to New York. I took him to Wisconsin to meet my mom and do a beach clean uh, Lake Michigan. Where else did we go? I, I sent him to the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. So I sent him to the university, the college students hung out with him for a couple of weeks, sent back some really fun photos. And uh, that was kind of Narnar's test run. So I'm really, really excited. Those, those students over there got so involved and I'm still in communication with them and they're great. I'm hoping to do some projects with them in the fall. And so you also recently went on an amazing expedition to the South Pacific Gyre, um, the plastic gyre out in the southern part of the Pacific Ocean with Al Galita and Charles Moore, who, listeners, if you haven't heard of Charles Moore, he is basically the one that discovered the Great Pacific Garbage Patch and was a pioneer in documenting it and studying it and stating that it was a thing, that there's this you know giant area of ocean that's you know just covered in plastic so um you you got to go on this expedition with them you spent a few weeks in the pacific ocean what's the goal of those expeditions like the one that you were on what's the main goal for the whole research team so with this specific expedition um and the leg that i went on captain moore was we had a few goals we wanted to accomplish first um, we want to do sampling of the lanternfish, which is a fish that lives approximately a mile beneath the surface of the ocean. So it's a night feeder that swims up and feeds on surface animals, little surface organisms every night, eats these microplastics. And then what's been happening is at least what they think has been happening was that these fish are then swimming back down at night and the plastic's killing them or they're not able to swim back up to feed again because plastic's weighing them down. But still, or even if they eat these plastics and they survive, then a larger fish will eat that fish. 
and a larger fish eat that fish, and then you know the bioaccumulation happens. Um, then we eventually eat the larger fish. So that was one one of the parts um, of the expedition. And the leg I was on is that we wanted to sample lanternfish. Two, we wanted to find the vortex of the gyre, also known as like the center of it. Uh, so Marcus Erickson with Five Gyres did an expedition six years ago to the South Pacific, where they did a straight transect from South America to Easter Island, um, you know, basically just a straight, a straight line. And what Captain Moore wanted to do was get a little more involved and kind of zigzag his way around the gyre, trying to find, you know, the highest concentration zones, the highest pressure systems, and, and really try to map the whole thing. So those were, those were the three things we were trying to accomplish was uh, study the lanternfish, map the South Pacific gyre and find the center of it. But mainly we're sampling plastic pollution when we're out there to, to find out plastic to plankton ratios in our samples. Um, and that kind of can help you help give us a better determination of the amount of plastic that's actually out there in the ocean and uh, how concentrated it actually is. And so you actually have gone out, you know, you've been in a large major plastic gyre in one of our world's oceans. I think for many people that haven't had that experience, they imagine this giant area of ocean where as far as the eye can see, all you can see is trash and plastic floating on the surface of the ocean. Can you kind of shed light on your experience, what it's actually like out there in the middle of a plastic gyre? Easiest way I can explain it is it's like a plastic soup um, where you know, if you're eating like a beef stew every once in a while, you're going to come across a big chunk of beef in, uh, in your spoon. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be, you know, shredded fragments of beef in this floating in the soup or different little vegetables that you're going to come across from time to time. That's kind of what it's like in the gyre. It's not an island you can walk on. It's not a massive patch that's just like congregated and floating together there's some places in some of the gyres where some buoys might have wrapped themselves together with a massive fishing net and you know it's kind of created a little area for you to walk on type thing but um uh no for the most part it's it's just open ocean um and every once in a while um you're going to come across like a massive fishing net or a bunch of buoys or uh, the bottom of a laundry bin but uh and, when you and get that's to the high- mostly yeah. because most of the plastic is very small. These microplastics, these nanoplastics. You got it. Yeah, you got it. Majority of the plastics that we're finding are these micro. So there's there's a few different categories of plastics. There's um, microplastics, which are anything five millimeters and below. Um, there's mesoplastics, which are uh, between you know six to nineteen millimeters, I believe. And then macroplastics are anything that are twenty millimeters and above. Um, and then the nanoplastics are even smaller than microplastics, which are pretty much what you need to, you can only view those through kind of a microscope type thing. Um, so what you hear the most is, is microplastics and, and, um, that's, uh, referring to anything, um, smaller than five millimeters. Yeah. So that's what we're out there to sample. But when we sample, we're collecting all different types of sizes of the plastics. And, and it's, it's hard to see that stuff with the naked eye, especially if there's a lot of wind and waves and the water's all choppy, but once we got to some of the very calm parts of the ocean, absolutely, you can just see just, you know, almost like a Congo line of these microplastics just marching right on by you. I believe that's actually how Captain Moore explained it in this book, Plastic Ocean. But, uh, yeah, you just see these um, 
just see these streams of these microplastics floating by. And um, it all depends on where you're at in the garbage patch. And, you know, there's certain areas where the currents um, are moving, where it's going to be more plastics going to be more congregated. Um, and that's uh, kind of what we we're trying to hunt down and find. And so you obviously had an amazing experience on that expedition. You know, I got to see a lot of the stuff you saw and do via your mm-hmm. Instagram. So for anybody listening, if you want to go back and check that out and check out some of the videos you made. Um, obviously- and I tried to keep it fun. Yeah, I tried. Yeah. To, even though we we're in one of the most like we we're in the middle, we we're the furthest away from any continent on planet Earth in the largest oceanic desert on Earth. And I mean, we're out there in the middle of nowhere and I brought the Dr. Dude costume with me, and I remember the first time I put it on, because uh, I wanted to try to uplift the spirits on the boat. Some of those crew members had been on there for a couple months, and I remember when I got on the boat and I told the crew members the ideas I had for funny videos, they were looking at me, and I could just tell they were thinking, what did we just get ourselves into with this guy? <laughs> so it took me a few days to like get the crew kind of on my level with wanting to like have fun with the whole thing, and uh, then they were totally into it. So we were out there in the middle of the high seas having a uh, hoot and holler in time, trying to just make each other laugh a lot with, with shooting different videos and whatnot. In an environment that I can imagine can get pretty depressing if you're day after day you're just finding Oh, yeah thousands and thousands and thousands of these tiny pieces of plastic Um, totally yeah it's awesome i love that you bring the humor and the fun to it so you obviously had an amazing experience going on that expedition in what ways are you taking all this plastic pollution knowledge you learned and educating others i know you do some student education as well as some public speaking in what ways have you really tried to reach out to your community Sure. So um, I so I volunteer with a few different organizations. I volunteer with Heal the Bay, Surfriders, West LA Malibu chapter. I'm an ambassador for Five Gyres. Um, volunteer work, of course, with Al Galita from going on this expedition. And I most recently started doing some volunteer work with the Bay Foundation. And uh, with Heal the Bay, I'm a part of their Speakers Bureau. So they do a lot of big beach cleans here in LA and also a lot of times smaller companies or larger companies will reach out to them and be like, Hey, we want to do a company day out, a company volunteer day. We'd like to do a beach clean. Can you help us coordinate it? And, um, they'll call me up, um, cause I'm a part of the speakers bureau and then they'll ask me to go volunteer and speak to these people, um, about Santa Monica watershed issues, talk to them about what's going on with plastic pollution and different kind of urban runoff and whatnot. And, um, so I've done that with some of their massive beach cleans uh, where I get to talk to you know hundreds of people where they send them to me at 20 to 40 people at a time. Um, I talk at some of the, the surf rider events where I've given some um, presentations at their chapter meetings from the expedition. And then most recently, I got linked up on going on a couple fishing boat trips through the Bay Foundation. Uh, the Bay Foundation teamed up. The, the Marina del Rey Anglers, which is like a fishing club, and we've been taking some at-risk youth groups out on a, a fishing boat just outside of uh, Venice here for um, a couple hours. To uh, When I say at-risk kids groups, these are like kids that are coming from areas where there's a lot of gang activity, so they're just trying to keep the kids out of street gangs. They want to give them a positive kind of influence and the Bay Foundation reached out to me and they're like, hey, we think you would be great for this. Can you sign up for a couple days? And I was like, yeah, awesome. Like, get to spend time outside with kids. Like, heck yeah, I'll do this. And man, I met some really cool kids who they're just out there to have fun, just to get their minds off of whatever's going on back on land. And 
since I'm just so kind of out there, I'm just like a big kid, I like to think, so I'm just like kind of got an out there kind of attitude, and I'm able to connect with the kids, and then once you hook them in with just whatever stupid joke you have to say, or whatever you got, then once you got them hooked, then that's where you just start dropping plastic pollution information on them, and they just absorb it left and right, and it's really, really cool, and it's been a really good, fun time, and and um, I also, getting getting back from that expedition, I try to take that experience into not just educating the public, but then trying to educate some um, lawmakers by uh, going and speaking at the Culver City City Council meetings in front of the mayor and the council members to try to help ban polystyrene in, in the city of Culver City. And, and I went for months and spoke at all these meetings. And before I went on the expedition and when I got back, it was even more, I felt like it gave me a little more credibility to speak to issues that are going on and, and have um, the platform I'm speaking at be to like a, on a greater scale that it was being heard. And, and uh, along with, you know, Surfrider, Heal the Bay, Five Gyres, Bay Foundation, the Bayona Creek Renaissance, like all these volunteers and, and people who work for all these organizations were there to help ban polystyrene and other local activists that just got up and spoke their opinions. And, and I, my goal was to try to get every council member and the mayor to laugh every time I went up there and spoke when it was my time to speak in these council chambers. So I remember one time where it was a serious issue. We're up there to ban polystyrene, but I remember using references to like double fudge chocolate chip cookies and woolly bear moss from like the Arctic and whatnot. And and I remember some of these people just thinking like, what is this guy talking about? But I would always bring it back and connect it to plastic pollution. And it, it worked because I would get them to laugh and, and my message stuck with them. So it was really cool. That's um, awesome. I wear a vial of plastic, of microplastics around my neck that I found while in the South Pacific gyre, and it's around my neck with some fishing net that I found, um, and I work in retail, so I wear that every single day, so I spark, it sparks conversations with random people, uh, random customers that just happen to be coming through my shop and may have never known about plastic pollution, so I get into about five to ten conversations a day just because of wearing that necklace, so that's, I, I'm really glad I do that, and so it's a, I can even now educate people while I'm at my job that I have to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah that's amazing, and, and that's another point that I really want to bring up um, for listeners. Doshi is so dedicated to to the ocean and to solving the issue of plastic pollution. But yeah, like you said earlier, you work in retail and you've you've expressed to me before, it's like, yeah, I work in retail so that I have a lot of flexibility and so I can devote as much time as possible to, you know, what you really, really care about. So that's so amazing that you're setting your life up that way. And then now to hear that you're having conversations with the people that come into the retail store as well is just you're just expanding in every way possible. So it's so cool. So listeners, if you've been inspired by Doshi and what he does with Gnarly Beach Cleaner and all the amazing thoughts and experiences and funny videos he's produced and all the stuff, I'm going to be linking to his Instagram when I post this podcast episode. So definitely check him out at Gnarly Beach Cleaner. And then I will also be linking to his Vimeo account. So you can check out some videos there. And um, I'll also link to that YouTube uh, video compilation that I talked about that actually Two Minute Beach Clean posted. So you guys can check all that stuff out. Connect with him. Send him a message. Tell him he's inspiring. Say hi to Narnar, Nar, Dr. Dude, <laughs> all, all yep. those guys. Um, and Doshi, I really want to thank you for all the positive change that you're creating for the ocean and the planet. And I also want to thank you for being on the show today. I really enjoyed talking with you. 
no, thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you too. And I just want to remind people to, to try to live in the present with undertones of longevity and to always stay stoked while you're doing so. Yeah, stay stoked, amigos. You got it. Stay stoked, amigos. You just heard Michael Doshi, the gnarly beach cleaner using Instagram to spread awareness about plastic pollution in super funny and positive ways. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at oceanallison.com and tune into next month's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.